Welcome, everybody, to the Shop Notes podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber. I'm joined today by John Doyle and Logan Whitmer. The Shop Notes podcast is a weekly woodworking podcast where we talk about the projects that we're working on or tool-related topic and what we can do better in our own woodworking. Today's episode is all about opportunistic woodworking, and it is weather-related. So thanks for listening. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Magazine. Woodsmith Magazine has been the trusted source for all your woodworking information for over 40 years. From tips and techniques to furniture projects to shop projects, you'll find it all at Woodsmith Magazine. Subscribe today at woodsmith.com. All right. Now, I say in the intro that we're a weekly podcast, but last week we weren't as weekly. No. Life got in the way. Yeah. It was hard without electricity and internet to shoot up a podcast. Right. Well, we didn't have internet last week or electricity. What happened? <laughs> like, don't tell me there was a hurricane in Iowa. Yeah. Right. It's like those old Saturday Night Live skits with the land shark, except we had a land hurricane. Yeah. 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 It's so anybody like... that doesn't know, we, we legitimately had like an inland hurricane happen in Iowa. Which, like, knocked out power to everybody. Yeah, but because we're Iowa, normal hurricanes spin around. We decided to have a straight-line hurricane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, across the entire state. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We had a weather so, phenomena called the derecho, which is an intense amount of straight-line winds, along with the associated thunderstorms and spin-off tornadoes and falling trees and downed power lines and falling trees and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of folk yeah. were, were thing, without Go ahead. I was just going to say with hurricanes, usually they kind of predict those like a week out in advance and you get, you know, some preparation time here. It was like 30 minutes before there's a storm coming and 15 minutes before the, the all the sirens are going on. Here in the West, when we hear tornado warning sirens, we all run outside going on. Yeah, because you always want to be able to see the tornado. You can't just hear about it, and you don't want to see it in response to some news event where some lady's standing in a moo-moo saying it sounded like a freight train and all that (laughs) kind of stuff. But Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting because, I mean, we're we're in Des Moines, right? And it hit Des Moines probably – Oh, I'd say 9, 30, 10 o'clock, something like that is when it hit Des Moines. Um, <clears throat> the, uh, Mark and Steve, our two shop craftsmen, and I were standing in the shop looking out the windows like, wow, it's really blowing out there. And then uh, at about lunchtime, Mark said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head home real quick and see what happened. He got back and he's like, oh, my gosh, it's it's a mess out there. I'm like, what do you mean it's a mess out there? And I drove down the road. I'm like, oh. It is a mess. There are branches and limbs and no power all over, right? Uh, but the greater Des Moines area, for the most part, got away pretty scot-free. I mean, yeah, limbs down um, and no power for uh, some extended periods of time. I think John probably was the longest out of us, right? With, you know, five days I think of so. power. Yeah. Um, uh, but there are other places in Iowa that got it much, much worse than we did. Yeah, well, the, like whole towns oh. were cut off from power. And 
I mean, they some places I don't think still have power. And it's interesting because we lost what, like they said, a hundred or ten million acres of corn. Is that what we lost yeah. in Iowa? Yeah, either damaged or destroyed was uh, like up to a third of the crop between ten and fourteen million acres. Yeah, which is is crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, we can go out and pick it all, but ain't right. no bad time yeah. for that. Yeah. So. Well, and plus the corn isn't at maturity anyway, so. Yeah. Get those baby corn, baby ears. The little baby ears. <laughs> For stir fry. Works, but. I don't think so. No. So where this intersects with woodworking is, and it was something that we were talking about a little earlier today, is being able to, I don't want to say take advantage because a lot of people lost power and groceries and you know, schools are damaged and people are already hurting and out of work. But there is an element of being able to, in this case and in other cases, of being able to kind of take what you get and make something from it. So, for example, Logan, in your recent sawmilling craze, yep, you're able to find some extra material. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of extra material. So, uh, so, you know, my, uh, one of the towns around us that got, I say around us two hours away, they got a lot of damage, uh, uh, a, an extraordinary amount of damage. And if people have not uh, seen anything about this, it hasn't been covered nationally a whole lot. Um, but Google Cedar Rapids, Iowa storm damage. Uh, and the, the city of Cedar Rapids, which is probably, Probably the second biggest city in Iowa, I would guess. Yeah, it is. Um, they lost. I would. I would guess that seventy percent of the trees in the city got uprooted, um, which is. I mean, it's. It was unbelievable. I mean, it looked like a hurricane went through Cedar Rapids, uh, and everywhere there are there were trees down. Um, I think they said almost a half million people without power in Cedar Rapids, and. Uh, it was a lot of it from trees, I mean, trees and, and telephone poles just being ripped right out of the yeah. ground and stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of trees available. Uh, so personally, um, my one grandparent's house ended up with a white oak tree on his roof, uh, which I am going to, I, I took down and am going to harvest. Um, the, the, it just topped. So the top just broke off and landed on his roof. Um, but the white oak trunk is solid, right? So I'm going to use it. And I, I didn't know this until last week when I went to start clean, cleaning up. Uh, that was a, a white oak tree that my grandpa had taken from the family farm in southern Iowa as a little eight-inch tall sapling. It was growing in the pond. Um, and he grabbed it, pulled it out, and dropped it in his yard, thinking this thing's not going to grow. It grew. It grew big. And came back to bite him. It came back to bite him. He's like, <laughs> that's what he said. He said, he said, I would have never planted it if I knew it was going to grow that big. Um, and he lost a few other trees, uh, one of which was a Norway maple, which I'm going to harvest as well. Uh, and my other grandpa, uh, his house is deemed uninhabitable now by the fire marshal because he had a ash tree <laughs> go through his roof and not just like poked holes, like, it went through his roof uh, into his kitchen. Uh, so uh, I spent all last Friday 
removing the rest of it that was on his roof. Uh, and I'm going to harvest that ash tree. Uh, that's a tree that, I mean, they've lived there for 40 years, you know, and uh, it's part of their house, a part of their, of his history there. So I'm going to harvest that one, which will, which will be cool. It'll be cool having this lumber um, that has a little bit more meaning than just being sections of ash or sections of uh, white oak. You know what I mean? It's a little bit, a little bit more uh, interesting in the family. So uh, from his house, I'm taking the, uh, the ash, um, and he also has uh, two pecan trees, um, which actually we took down one pecan tree probably 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and that's what this tool tote is made out of. Uh, so some more pecan, uh, which will be fun to have. Um, but yeah, there are more, you know, there are more trees than you can shake a stick at, pun intended. <laughs> well, that one was free for everybody. Uh, but and it's interesting uh, driving through Cedar Rapids because, I mean, right now you could have, if you had a sawmill like I happen to have, you could have your pick of any tree ever. I mean, most people would say, heck, yeah, come take the trunk section. I can deal with the limbs. Take the trunk because that's the big part. Right, uh, right. You know, that's – it's just one of those things. Like, I, I, I can't I can't physically handle all that while I am, you know – working here full time uh but it is it's it's one of those things that making the best out of a bad situation i guess you know being able to say hey yeah i would love to have this tree for my grandparents house uh and i'll that won't be lumber i'll sell it'll be lumber i keep to build stuff with yeah, uh, yeah. you know same way with uh we had some damage around des moines um, a couple of days ago i took the morning off and we had a white fir uh, some lady had a white fir tree that topped and she had it taken down so now I have a lot of white fur that I went and sawed. So, you know, yeah. Un unfortunately, they're all yard trees, which means I need over a couple boxes of blades <laughs> because <laughs> there's going to be lots of nails, I'm sure. Um, I know my grandpa's tree has always had squirrel feeders on on the trunk, his ash tree. So I know I'm going to hit some nails. I don't really care. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that's kind of opportunistic, you know, John, you had some, yeah. you had a branch. Sounds like you guys got like a lot cooler trees. With oak <laughs> I just got a dumb silver maple on my roof. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, Stupid silver maples. Yeah. So that, that's been known to happen, but I did save a section. Like, uh, I think the biggest part was like 13 inch diameter and it's like four feet long. So I saved a piece and see what I can make out of that in, in memory of, of this event. <laughs> well, but John, you had something similar with a, a, what was it? A neighbor that had a, some walnut mm -hmm. that was in their attic. I mean, yep. it wasn't from a storm damage, but well, it just, kinda, I think uh, the husband had put it up there, you know, probably 40 years ago. And um, uh, his widow was moving out into assisted living uh, last fall and their kids were cleaning out the house and they found that, wood up in the attic that their dad had put up there and um they knew i was a woodworker so they handed it off to me and so i felt the responsibility of like now what am i going to make out of this or you know to you know something special so we ended up making the one of the stools from the tv show for this for was it season 14 yeah right uh, and um actually just ran into her daughter last week i'd been hanging on to that stool since um, it was the beginning of March when all this had started and it's like I couldn't get it to her in a uh, 
assisted living yeah. area because they were all shut down. And so I'd been hanging on to that. And she came through the neighborhood just to see the damage last week and look at the house and stuff. And so I was able to hand that stool off. And she really appreciated it. And we'll get that to, to her and stuff. So it's kind of cool that, you know, just having that, the, the sentimentalness, if that's a word, of yeah. that wood and, you know, continuing the story rather than just going in the garbage. And, well, yeah. and you, had, you had had some reclaimed stuff from Chris Fitch, right? Some uh, red pine that he right. had taken down. Yeah, and I guess that's where, I mean, the storm that we had last week is the, the starting point of it because I know whenever we have storms around here, the Des Moines wood turners kind of like fan out with chainsaws and stuff and you know all of a sudden you get a lot of free free material and you know chris fitch our creative director had uh some red pine that needed to come down so you know i wasn't looking for red pine and it's just one of those things where either the material or a project idea kind of spur the opportunity to work on something yeah you know they were things that i wanted to do you know, I made a little organizer. I've shown that on social media for my desk for working from home from this red pine. And I just love working with pine and other softwoods. And so while it wasn't something that I had on my radar necessarily, it, uh, the opportunity came up for it to, to work with it. You know, we were talking about, uh, uh, you know, part of the sawmill group that you're with, you know, they, every time a hurricane rolls through, the southern U.S., uh, a lot of people with sawmills start heading down there. It's uh, public service to help people clean up. You know, it's preventing a lot of this wood from just getting ground up and turned to mulch or just burned in big heaps or something like that. Uh, but you can also run across materials that you ordinarily wouldn't find, you know. Yeah, in particular, the group that goes down uh, when hurricanes land, it's the only way you can legally harvest Cuban mahogany now so like these these cuban mahogany trees that are growing in florida and coastal florida when they're damaged by a hurricane they're that they're able to be harvested then uh, yeah so you know it's 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 an interesting thing another one of the i mean i mentioned uh this norway maple my grandpa had it they're not a tree you usually find and it was interesting so I, I was researching this tree uh because Norway maple is not something we run across a lot. I mean, there's a lot of them planted, but they're a pretty hardy tree. They're fairly slow growing, so they don't get real big yet. They haven't gotten big yet, and they haven't started to be damaged. Uh, but my investigation into it, I guess they're, they were the preferred wood for Stradivarius to make yeah. violin backs. So it's like, oh, that's actually really cool. They're they're not considered a hard maple. They're not considered a soft maple. They're a weird, ambiguous in between. Um, but Stradivarius used them in his guitar or in his uh, in his violin backs. Um, so one of our uh, maybe one, his guitars too. Maybe his guitars. Who knows? Uh, that's a rare Stradivarius. Is it Stradivarius? <laughs> <laughs> Les Especially <Paul> the, <laughs> the electric one. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but. Um, one of our uh, coworkers, Brian, he he's made some guitars and he's working on them still. So I said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to cut up this red maple or this Norway maple. Um, supposedly, legend has it, Stradivarius uses it for his soundboard or used it for his soundboards. Do you want some?" And he said, "Yeah, heck yeah!" 
Yeah. I said, oh, great. You have to help me unload it when I get it back to my house. <laughs> Sucker. I don't think he's using them anymore. No, I don't think he, he is. Used to, he used to. He doesn't use. Yeah, Stradivarius doesn't use them anymore. <laughs> Electric Stradivarius. That's John's uh, 80s synth band name, right? Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, hey, when something, when a natural disaster occurs like this, make the most of it. Make some bowls out of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And and I guess I was, you know, when you start connecting the dots on that, too, you had mentioned about the ash tree going down. Well, you know, the northern, northeastern part of the U.S. is battling emerald ash borer. Yeah. So there's a lot of damaged trees that have to come down. There's a lot of places that are being proactive and taking ash trees down to kind of slow the spread. So uh, depending on the tree and the material, there's a lot you can do with ash, you know, whether you're pounding out small ones for splints for baskets and things like that, or carving or turning or whatever. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting because that's a lot of what I've been getting from arborists lately are ash trees because I mean, that's exactly what happened to most of them in Cedar Rapids. I would, I would guess probably uh, this is completely based on me driving around Cedar Rapids doing cleanup work. Um, I would guess that about 50% of the trees that went down were ash. Sure. And I think a lot of that's probably because they were damaged by the ash borer. Uh, so the arborists right now are bringing me a lot of ash trees. Um, so yeah, right now I have a, a plethora of um, sawn ash drying in my, in my yard. Uh, but again, this is one that I won't sell then. Um, but you know, yeah, it doesn't have to necessarily be a natural disaster to make the most of it. You know, whether it's a, a tree that's getting taken down, you know, maybe maybe your neighbor just hates that apple tree because he, him and his wife are too old to get out and pick apples anymore. And he just wants it gone so he doesn't have to clean yeah. them up, you know. Great. That's a, a good opportunity to save some of that wood um, and get something that's a little, little different. Um, I was yeah. actually looking forward to – I told you guys the day before I went down there uh, – that one of the trees that was down on my grandpa's property was an Eastern red bud, um, which a lot of, there's quite a few of those around and they split and they just don't last very long. Um, this one had gotten fairly large and I was going to grab a couple of bulb lengths out of it, but somebody happened to come along and help with a chainsaw before I got there. So it was gone, <laughs> which is okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to be wood greedy by any means. Uh, so that's all right. But you know, but like you're talking about with your, with a say a neighbor's apple tree, you don't have to save the whole tree. No, not at all. A log, Cause yeah. I know Phil has made like saw handles yeah. set of small, you know, crotch or yeah. figured wood, you know, so you can just even save you know, a piece of it yeah. and, and use it that way, tool handles and, and I, projects, yeah. boxes, that yeah. kind of thing. And I actually have a, a seminar coming up uh, for our online seminars we do um, every month. Uh, it's in a couple, I think it's in maybe two or three months, but I have a seminar on using found wood. And that's one of the things we'll discuss is, you know, hey, you don't have to have a sawmill to save some of this stuff. Right. I mean, get yourself a decent chainsaw and a bandsaw and you can save a lot of it. So oh, we'll yeah. talk some of that during the seminar. So, yeah. So, and I think of, you know, other people who, uh, you know, like John said too, uh, you know, turners or carvers or whatever, you know, finding something unusual in a firewood pile or, yeah, for sure. You know, that it sparks the idea for 
a, a beautiful project that you can just kind of come up with, even though, you know, your project list for the year includes a bunch of other stuff. When you run across something, it, you know, the, the opportunity is too good to pass up and you just want to make the most of it. Yeah, for sure. Like this, this, uh, this little infill plan that I was working on for this last issue, uh, that has, um, Apple in it from one of our previous editors, Randy Maxey, right? This was from yep. his house, I believe. Uh, I got yep. this from you, Phil. I mean, it was just something that was saved. I mean, you know, I'm glad somebody thought, hey, I'm going to grab that instead of throwing it into the smoker, even though it would be delicious. Right. Uh, you know, I'm glad somebody saved it. And, you know, we did some, uh, or I did a stabilizing article a couple of, probably about a year ago on stabilizing wood. And, a lot of that spalted maple and spalted walnut literally came out of my firewood pile, you know? So just got to be willing to dig through it and make a mess. You got some, uh, was it redwood posts? Yeah. From a playground yeah, or something? Yeah. Yeah. Playground. Yeah. I've gotten projects out of that. Yeah. I've gotten some redwood from, um, a playground here or, uh, it was a school here in town. And then I also got some from, uh, my brother was doing, um, he worked for a roofing company that had the contracts to do like the Menards roofs in the U S so they would sure, drive sure. all over the U S doing these Menards roofs. And one of which, one of them had a redwood uh, water cask on top of it that they were, that, that they had tear off. So he brought me some of that too. Uh, so it's just kind of a fun, we don't see redwood in Iowa. Oddly oh, enough. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. We have so many redwood trees. Uh, <laughs> But we don't see many of it. That's you know, it's one of those things. And I asked you, Phil, uh, if it was just me, or when you go somewhere, do you have like a this weird desire to bring home wood from from that place? Like it's like you know, everywhere you go in the U.S. has different native species. Um, right. So, uh, you know, you go down in the Southwest, it's like oh, you could grab some mesquite or some desert ironwood or uh, you know whatever. So just super super interesting. Yeah, I know. Uh, a few years ago, I was invited to speak at a at a conference uh, put out by a group called By Western Hands. Yeah, and they're a, a a group trying to promote craftspeople in a variety of medium uh, out in the Northern Rockies region. And uh, what I learned when I was out there, I was, so it was in Cody, Wyoming, which is a beautiful amazing part of the country and they have a, a phenomena out there where and i remember i think it's lodgepole pine that above like nine thousand feet or something like that will develop these burls that wrap all the way around the tree so it totally encompasses the tree it's like a like seeing an olive on a toothpick on the sure. tree yeah. and there was a style of furniture. There was a guy by the name of, uh, uh, let me get his book here real quick. And for anybody that is interested, the, uh, the copy of, or a, a video of Phil's lecture there is on our YouTube channel. So, yeah. So is a guy named, for those of you who are watching the video, this Thomas Molesworth was a Western style designer, kind of popularized a, a style of furniture that incorporated those burls into his furniture projects. So 
you know, again, taking something that you would normally think of, or a lot of woodworkers would think of as a defect in the tree and emphasizing it and creating uh, furniture and other pieces that now are rooted to a place, you know, so you have, uh, and I think what's kind of cool too, and maybe it's because just I'm a weirdo sentimentalist, but if the projects that you make are beautiful and enjoyable to other people, that's one level of satisfaction in woodworking that I have. Another level of satisfaction is the process of making it. I just love making stuff, even though I probably don't have any room for it in my house. And then the third level is if you can attach or find a story that goes with it, you know, that the material came from this person or was tied to a specific event or, or whatever that uh, enriches the whole process. Yeah. Well, and that's something that I've always enjoyed. Um, and that's something I've started doing as I'm cutting and drying these logs. I, I'm barcoding, not not barcoding, but I'm putting a ID number on each one. I'm just using a little plastic like garden tags and I write a number on it, nail it on the end. That way I can I can inventory them. And then I, I write down where they came from because I, I, I enjoy that enrichment, you know, that knowing the history of that tree and where that wood came from, uh, it enriches the experience in my opinion. So, yeah. Well, and you did that, John, with the, that dining table that you designed not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So we got all that, uh, uh, Douglas fir from, um, reclaimed barns yep. or corn crib, corn crib yep. from here in Iowa. And they knew, you know, where it came from and when it was built and when it was torn down. And so it just kind of adds to the, the lore of the project and the lore. I the like lore. that. Oh, I'm using uh -huh. that one. Yes. <laughs> this is going to be a, an epic ballad. Is it just going to be? Right. right. And then someday someone will tear down that table <laughs> and build a, like a, a barn or a corner about that. And, and the cycle continues. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, man. That's after like the Mad Max era happens, right? And there's no trees left anywhere. Right. But, yep. Yeah. Cool. So projects that we're working on, I'm finally able to report that I've finished my Dragon Space Ice <laughs> capsule. Pull it back. Further back. Further back? Further back. Higher. Higher. Up. There you go. Look at that. Oh, see, I'm looking at my preview window. Like, so, <laughs> right. It's life size, man. Life size. So I had some leftover basswood from another project and glued it up a blank and then did uh, some Dave Fisher style carving on it to give it the look. I wanted it to be textured. I didn't want it to be a perfect crisp model, but I got the rocket vents on the sides and uh my daughter actually painted the dragon logo on it which um she is amazing on that and then speaking of found wood i have some walnut a piece of walnut burl that i'm cutting for a base that i'll oh, yeah. attach well, I the i saw those sitting in here yeah attach cool. the capsule to and kind of give it a platform for it and it'll be a nice twin or accompaniment to the Apollo command capsule that I did late last year. Yeah. So nice. And in the process of it, I got to use one of my favorite jigs ever is this semi ridiculous circle cutting jig for my bandsaw, yep. which consists of a random piece of MDF 
and a white oak runner on it. And then I've just drawn some straight lines across it and then used that to mark the radius of different circles or arcs or whatever that I want to cut. And um, it's one of those one-time jigs we were talking about this in an earlier episode you know building a one-time jig so that you can once you're done with it you just chuck it and you wash your hands of it and i've kept that one and you used it forty-nine thousand other times yep yeah well you know so i have been still working on a stupid camper i say the stupid i say stupid camper because my wife does not listen to this podcast because this is kind of her camper that i got volunteered to help with uh, but I was telling you guys earlier today in the shop, I had to replace some sections of walls in it that were water damaged. And I think I mentioned how I enjoy working on it because it's like, there's no rules. It's like every janky thing I've ever wanted to do. And that is finishing a basement or building a house. I can do it in the camper, <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's not like I'm cutting corners, but it's just like, it's a camper. It's not a house. So like the walls in the camper are made out of like quarter inch thick, like, cdx plywood i mean it's just the lightest weight stuff you can get for i mean it has to be right uh but i replaced some sections that were damaged and i bondoed the joints and it looked terrible but i'm like we're covering it. My, my our plan was to cover it with wallpaper uh and then paint it right and the wallpaper just gives it the same texture as the walls that were there previously and then when you paint it with a heavy nap roller it kind of blends everything together and my wife and I stayed up late last night putting wallpaper over all my Bondo joints. Holy crap, it looks amazing. Like, I told her, I was like, we should order 18 more rolls of wallpaper and just wallpaper the entire thing. Because you can't tell that there was ever a joint there. It feels smooth, even though when it was Bondo, it was like old wallpaper, pink Bondo, and then plywood. Uh, you don't have any of that once the wallpaper's on. So it's super amazing. Um, so yeah, that sawing, doing a lot of sawing, you know, fur, we talked about the fur, the white fur tree earlier. Um, I don't think I'm going to get uh, the sawmill Cedar Rapids this weekend. Um, I think we have a lot more cleanup to do. Um, I think the city's going to have to pick up the brush so I can actually get the sawmill into the backyard um, because there's just, I mean, it looks like walls <laughs> of walls of brush along every road in Cedar Rapids right now. Um, but I did get this guy. So uh I recently had to put one of my dogs down uh, and I asked a friend of mine, Jimmy clues to turn me a urn. Uh, so he turned this little figured maple urn for me, uh, for me, for uh, her ashes. So a little ebony top and ebony foot on it. So a very cool little hollow form um, that I think is very fitting for a cool little dog. So I am a, uh, I was pretty excited to get this yesterday. It turned out beautiful. Um, I'll see if I can get some better photos to go on the show notes page of it. Uh, but it turned out amazing. I'm super thankful that he turned that for me. Um, so, yeah, this weekend's just going to be more chainsaw work, clean up, trying to get logs to where I can get to them. So, and <laughs> trying to get them out of houses. That's the biggest thing. Right. How are you, John? Uh, well, it's kind of funny, speaking of the recent weather phenomenon, you guys know I uh, started this playhouse back yeah. in May or June. Or it's whatever. gone. He has to start no. over. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, how, how great of a builder I am, because there was like so many sheds and playhouses blown over, but mine, immaculate, no shingles blown off of that. It was like perfect. But um, 
the last stuff I had was like some trim work and then on the railing it had some like pickets, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, covering up the railing. I just had never got, went and got yeah. those. And, I mean, I've been ready for that for like two months. And uh, earlier this week I was picking up some stuff at Menards. I was like, oh, I should grab those fence pickets yeah. and uh, finish that up. And they're like, um, looking at our inventory, we are like negative 99 <laughs> on the fence pickets. I was like, yeah, these fences cool away. Yeah. So, so do they, a while before I get that. Were they like writing IOUs for yeah, the pickets yeah. or something? Like, geez. So maybe we should be like, you know, making fence pick pickets with all these the the lumber we have laying yeah. around well yeah you know it's funny because they said in cedar rapids um i mean everybody else almost every house has some sort of repair that needs done in cedar rapids like most of them are roofs and uh roofs and siding and they told us um when we were talking to some contractors uh because of the insurance things it has to be a, a licensed contractor that does it they said the contractors were estimating it would be a year before they'd have enough shingle supply to roof all the roofs. And you said the same thing when you were in Menards, like yeah. roofing nails were non-existent and we yeah. didn't even get hit that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had that, that limb fall on my house and it broke off all the, the plastic vents off the top and, and some shingle damage. So I was, you know, I was like, Oh, I better go replace those vents. Yeah. I got a big hole there. <laughs> so I went and got the vents and, no roofing nails, <laughs> one tube of uh, black, you know, roofing cock yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So I was saving all of the nails that I put <laughs> on the roof. And I had one, uh, a, like a little bit of coil from a roofing nailer. So I'm like trimming all the wire off of that <laughs> to, get, to harvest the nails. And uh, so it's, it's tough time. I probably have a box of roofing nails at home. I'll trade you for toilet no, paper. No, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I, I need to hang on to that. Okay. Oh, Dr. Pepper, because I heard yeah. that's the next thing. Yeah, it's like where we have national coin shortage. Yeah. We went through toilet paper, yeah. uh, building materials. Dr. Pepper now. Dr. Pepper. So it's like, yeah. what's yeah. next? Locusts, I hope. Right. Yeah. yeah. Frogs, frogs maybe. Maybe. stocked up on groceries. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then we had the power outage for a week and uh, lost all that food. Yeah. So. I'll tell you what. I did get some prime cuts of meat out of my grandpa's freezer. Like since he was had no power, he's like, you know what? You better go raid the freezer. So I got like a couple, I got, I think two prime ribs, a bunch of uh, baby back ribs, some like artesian smoked bacon. Mm -hmm. It was pretty nice. That was my payment for getting an ash tree out of his house. Out of his kitchen. Okay. kitchen. Yeah. So I thought it was fair. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for this episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Uh, we'd love to hear any kind of opportunistic woodworking that you've done or enjoy when the opportunity strikes. You can email us, woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Check us out on social media, Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to see what we've been talking about on today's episode, the podcast is also shown on our YouTube channel. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time for the Shop Notes podcast. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Woodsmith Plans. You'll find nearly a thousand plans covering everything that you'd want to build. From furniture projects to gift projects, kitchen accessories, workshop projects and jigs, and more. Find your next project at woodsmithplans.com.